Welcome to Sermons from Silver Moon with Pastor Phil Barber of the Silver Moon Full Gospel Church. The Silver Moon Full Gospel Church is committed to preaching the Word of God and invites you to join them for Sunday morning worship at 10 a.m. and Wednesday night service at 6.30. Now, here's Pastor Phil Barber with today's message. We are in a sermon series on the prodigal son. Uh, I told you we're going to preach through some parables of Jesus off and on, and we're on the most famous and beloved parable of them all, probably, and that's the story of the prodigal son. And one reason it's probably one of the most favorite, most popular is many times the prodigal son reminds us, he reminds us of ourselves and what we are like. And so the title of this message this morning is Homesick, Chapter 15 in the Gospel of Luke, and we'll be looking at verses 14 through 20. But Luke 15, as I've already said, is one of the most beloved parables in all the Bible. It's one of the most beloved chapters in all the Bible. And in Luke 15, it's one parable with three acts or three scenes. There's the parable of the lost sheep, then the parable of the lost coin, then the parable of the lost sons, plural. And the last one is usually called the prodigal son. I mentioned this last week, but I think it's good to mention again. When John Newton described his salvation in the great hymn, Amazing Grace, by saying, I once was lost, but now I'm fine, he was using or borrowing the language of Luke 15. When we speak of someone being away from God, whether they are a sinner or a backslider, We use this language that they are lost and need to be found. Understand something. This parable is not about badness. It's about lostness. The degree of badness doesn't change the degree of lostness. You can be what people call good. You can consider yourself good and still be lost. The lost sheep is not called the bad sheep. He is called the lost sheep. The lost coin is not called the bad coin. It is called the lost coin. And it's the same for the prodigal son. So let's read our text this morning, Luke chapter 15. And we're going to read the whole story. And time we get through, you'll know the story well. Beginning verse 11, it says, Jesus continued. Now, Jesus is given this story because he is being criticized for fellowshipping with sinners and publicans. And he is showing them something about God, what God is like. And so, who's he showing? The scribes and the publicans who are criticizing Jesus for being with sinners. So, that's what he did. So, let's go. Jesus continued. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, there squandered his wealth and wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a serious famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to, feed, to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the paws that the pigs were eating, But no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. 
I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. Last week, we preached on sick of home. That was in verses 11 through 13. The younger son exploded in rebellion against his father. He displayed dissatisfaction with his father's provision, with his father's rules, and with his father's guidance. We ask ourselves in that message in the introduction, what was going on in his life before he demanded his inheritance? And then we showed four points. We saw his imposition, that he demanded that he get his inheritance now. We saw his liquidation, that he sold his inheritance. We saw his separation, he went into a distant land. We saw his gratification, that he lived a vile and sinful life. In this story, Jesus has created the most vile and disgusting piece of humanity imaginable to the Jewish mind and to this Jewish audience. This boy dishonored and despised his father when he demanded his inheritance because by doing so, he was basically saying, Dad, I wish you were dead now. This boy despised and dishonored his birthright. This boy despised and dishonored his nation, the nation of Israel. This boy despised and dishonored God by disrespecting his father, therefore by breaking, therefore breaking the fifth commandment, selling the land given to God. God brought the children of Israel out of Egypt and gave them this land, and he wanted nothing to do with it. He despised and disrespected God by separating himself from the holy people of God and joining the wicked people of this world. And he disrespected and dishonored God by living a vile, sinful life, therefore breaking all Ten Commandments. Every step in this story sees him sliding further and further into the most degrading lifestyle imaginable. And so that's what we looked at when we said he was sick of home. There are two points this morning. Main points have four sub-points under them. But the first main point is... He's sick away from home. And there's nothing like being sick and not being home. And he is sick away from home. And first of all, we want to look at his devastation. And it says in verse 14, the first part, Now when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in that country. Now to be sure, the famine may not have been his fault. It may have been sent by God to get his attention. But spending everything that he had gained from his father was his fault. And there is no wisdom in this young man at all. There's no understanding of the reality that he was living in a fallen world. And you just can't go blowing all your resources, all your money on fleshly desires. And so now... He has found himself in a dilemma. He's out of money and a famine is hit. The food, price of food has gone up. Everyone, the public is scared to death because now there's a famine. Famine. Everyone is going to suffer. Things are tough for everybody. Jobs suddenly begin to disappear. And worst of all, he's a foreigner. He's a stranger in a strange land. And he has burned every bridge he could have burned back home. And now he's trapped in a foreign land 
with nothing. He is bankrupt. And let me tell you something. Bankruptcy can stir up the, stir up the most stressful or negative emotions that a person can have. And I've seen that in church people's lives who have gone through bankruptcy. And I've seen, I've seen how they've suffered and how they've hurt. They lose their sense of self, their sense of security, their sense of worth. And all these things are close to your, close, tied to your financial circumstances. And when you have a loss of money, you can feel like you have a personal loss of your identity, who you are, your self-esteem, and your self-confidence. Bankruptcy not only breaks you financially, it breaks you spiritually, it breaks you emotionally, and it breaks you emotionally. This boy who had strutted down the road with his money full of pockets, with his home and his dad and his country and God in the background, I'm leaving them, is no longer strutting because he's lost it all. Certainly the crowd... Those Pharisees and scribes are smiling. They're smug. They're nodding. And you know what they're saying? Serves him right. He deserves this. And Paul wrote in Galatians chapter 6 verses 7 through 8. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And this is what's happened to this young man. He is reaping what he sowed. And this misfortune has taken this young man to the very, very bottom. That's his devastation. Let's look at his depression, his abject poverty, poverty, 14b. And he began to be impoverished. Now he begins to feel the effects of bankruptcy. You can be bankrupt, then you begin to feel the effects of it. What a change this must have been for him. Living with his father, this boy had never been hungry. Living with his father, this young man had never dealt with any uncomfort or discomfort. He had all he wanted. But now he begins to be in want. He begins to be in need, and depression comes. Sin is costly. It's costly to anyone. I'd say to teenagers, listen to me. There's nothing more costly than sin. We used to sing an old song long, long, long time ago. It pays to serve Jesus. It pays every day. It pays every step of the way. When you serve Jesus, it pays. He will bless you. He will take care of you and watch over you. But let me tell you, it costs to serve Satan too. And it costs every day. It costs every step of the way. It it will cost you your character. It will cost you your influence. It will cost you your reputation. It will cost you your time. It will cost you your health. It will cost you love. It will cost you home and family. It will cost you money. It will cost you your soul. And it will cost you heaven. Sin costs, and it costs to serve Satan. And this young man followed his sinful impulses, and now he is reaping what he has sowed. It has ruined his life. The old preachers used to say, sin will take you further than you want to go. Sin will cost you more than you want to pay. 
Sin will keep you longer than you want to stay. This man has experienced devastation. He has experienced desperation, uh, depression. And now he also experienced desperation. Verse 15. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of the country. And he sat in, into the fields to feed swine. Here's a Jewish boy. He is so desperate to make a dime, to make a dollar, so he can find something to eat, that he takes the most unimaginable job that any Jewish boy could take, and that would be feeding pigs. He's broke, and he's all alone in a foreign country. All those friends he had, when he had money, they're all gone. There's no one there to help him. No one to bless him. Let me tell you, the world will say to you, I love you if you're good. I love you if you're intelligent. I love you if you're wealthy. I love you if you have a good education. I love you if you have a good job. I love you if you have a good connections. I love you if you wallow in the mud with me. I love you if you take drugs with me. I love you if you drink with me. I love you if you party with me. But you got to have your own money to do all those things. Because I'm not paying for your addictions. I'm not paying for your lust and your desires. But you got it. We'll party. We'll go. We'll have a good time. The world says, I love you. If you produce a lot, if you sell much, and you buy much. The world is full, filled with endless ifs. And they love you with all those ifs. But let me tell you what. You will reach out. For all those ifs. And find yourself enslaved by the world. And you'll find yourself working to try to please the world. But you will never, never, never please the world. You'll never give enough. You'll never have enough. You'll never do enough. This five them. Because the world's love is always conditional. As long as you keep looking for happiness in this world. You will be, you will be hooked by the world's lostness and darkness and sinfulness. And the world will keep luring you and you keep trying to fit in. You'll keep trying to find happiness and it'll always be one step ahead of you. And guess what? This world will foster addictions in your life because this world offers things that cannot satisfy you. The world cannot give you something that will satisfy the deepened cravings of your heart. And this young man is devastated. He at the lowest of the lowest. He's broken this time of famine. And he's not, guess what? He still doesn't, you think that he would come to his senses. But he doesn't come to his senses. He still thinks he can solve his problem without God. He thinks the solution is, I will take care of myself and I will get a job and I will take care of these pigs. It's something that will disgust everybody back at home. But this is my answer to my problems. And all we find is a young man working in a pigsty and things getting worse and worse. He thinks it's a good move. He thinks it's a good try, but it's not. You know what he's doing? He's trying to avoid repentance. You might ask the question, 
Why doesn't he go home? No. He still thinks he's smarter than everybody else. And so I have a plan. I have a way out. I'll fix this problem on my own. Instead of humbling himself and returning, instead of facing his people, the people of Israel, his village, his community, he tries to hold on to his own dignity and fix his dilemma himself. And so in doing so, he inherits the most shameful job imaginable to this Jewish audience. Says, Listen, it's a major man's desperation of this man's desperation, of his devastation, of his depression that he's willing even to do this. Listen, as I've tried to say, so let me say it again. There's nothing more degrading for a Jew than to take care of a Gentile's pigs. He would even be degrading to take care of a Gentile's other livestock, but he has lowered himself so much he's taking care of a Gentile's hogs. And guess what? This job was even shameful in the Gentile community. This is the bottom of the bottom of the barrel for anybody. And he's there. It doesn't require any intelligence or skill to slop hogs, okay? You don't need a first grade education. You don't need a college degree. You just know how, need to know how to pick up a bucket and dump it in a trough. And that doesn't take a lot of intelligence. You can be shown once if you don't know. And from then on, you'd be an expert at slopping hogs. And this is where this boy is. The conditions were horrible. We had pigs when I was a young man, hogs, big ones, little ones. I can, right now, I can smell the stench. I want to say hog manure, just so you'll get it, okay? It's not a job I want to sign up for. But he signed up for it. And it's shameful to this man. He's feeding unclean pigs. This man has exchanged his home for a hog pen. This man has exchanged the table of his family for a hog trough. This man has exchanged delicious food prepared by the servants of his home for nothing. Because he cannot even eat the hog food. He's in devastation. He's in depression. He's in desperation. And finally, he's in disgrace, demeaning humiliation. And he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine were eating, and no one would have given him any, anything to him. Rock bottom, there he is. He wishes he eat the pig food, but guess what? He can't eat the pig food because this food, for a human to eat, it had to be processed. It had to be grounded up so it would be edible for humans. But since it wasn't grounded up, and since it was processed, the hogs could eat, but the boy couldn't eat. That's how bad it was. And no one was giving him anything. Even the hogs, the unclean animals, were better off than this Jewish boy. This is the lostness of a sinner. In the story, Jesus is showing us how, how, where sin will take us and how far will take us from God. Let me tell you. You can't win. Abraham, in unbelief, went to Egypt, lied about his wife, 
and he almost lost her. Another man wanted to take her and marry her and make him his own wife. Judah, we preached on that, Genesis 37, descended into the world and ended up having two sons so wicked that God slew them. Jonah ran so far from the God God that he found himself in the belly of a great fish. Samson disobeyed God and found himself in chains. Let me tell you, sin will destroy you. And this man is a walking example of destruction. He's a vile, vile man. Now I can tell you what, sinful choices will ruin your life. Ask Adam. He lost paradise. Ask Cain. He was driven from the presence of God. Ask King Saul. He lost his throne. Ask Judas. He lost his life. Sin will destroy you. The world cannot satisfy you. But here's the main point to this story. You need to understand this. And I'll tell you what. This may, last week was hard. This week may be hard. It'll be, it'll be a happy time next week when we get to the third part of this message. But this is a miserable time. To this audience that's listening to this story, when they think, look at this young man, you know what they're thinking? He's unredeemable. He's hopeless. God wouldn't have him back. God wants nothing to do with him. He's gone too far. There's no going back for him. His father won't take him back, they think. The door is closed at home. The gate is closed to the property. The boy's crimes are so heinous that it's he's too far gone. That's how bad it is if he wanted to go back. In this society, they wouldn't let him go back. He wouldn't be welcome. He wouldn't be received. And if he did try to get back, they, the first thing they would think... He would have to pay everything back. Here's a boy that can't even buy a Happy Meal. How's he going to pay everything back? He's not going to be able to. He can work all his life as a hard laborer, as a day laborer, and he'll never be able to pay it back. And those people have said, it deserves him right. The world only saw him as a tool to feed their pigs. Each man for himself, and he falls, he falls. This country was too far for him without God. Let me tell you something. The world's not your friend. When I was a young man, I gave my heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, my senior high school. It was in February. I didn't know much about the Lord, I've told you that. And then that summer, I worked. I lived with another Christian family, and I was during the wheat harvest and other things. And I was getting ready to go to Bible school. I went back to the town that I went to high school in, my freshman, sophomore, and junior year. And there in the community in Colorado at that time, there was uh, three-two beer being served. You could go. There's a beer joint. And 3-2 beer was kind of a lower grade of alcohol, and everyone between 18 and 21, the people I knew, that's where they would go, was the one-on-one bar. And uh, I went to home to visit my mom and my brothers and sisters and see some friends I had not seen in oh, maybe 16, 18 months. And uh, to do that, I uh, went to the one-on-one bar. 
I sat down with my friends. Uh, they offered me a, buy me a beer. I said, no, I'll just take a Sprite. And uh, one of my friends, who was a good friend, he said, you haven't heard he's going to be a preacher. He's going off to Bible school. And the other, but the other guy said, you mean you're too good to drink with us? I said, no, I, I'll drink a Sprite. You guys drink what you want to drink. I just come to say hi, see you, have visit, visit with you. They were mad, angry, because I wouldn't drink with them. I wouldn't act like them. Let me tell you what. If you have people in your life who don't respect how you believe and how you think, you need to walk away from them. They don't need to be in your life. And if you have people, if you know someone that's in someone's life and you have power to speak in that person's life that's trying to drag that person down, you need to just say, if he's really your friend, leave him alone. Don't bother him anymore. They're not your friends. They're not happy if you're not sinning with them and acting like them. And they're not comfortable with you if you're drinking a Sprite. They just can't handle it. And this boy was in that stage. He had no one who was willing to help him and to lift him up. It was all over for him. And let me tell you, you need to you need to be wise in what you do in life and with who you hang, hang out with. I wouldn't have gone back to one-on-one ever again after that night and did not go back while I was there the rest of the week because if they could not accept me as I was then so be it but let me tell you the world will pull you down and that's what happened to this young man be sure to join us next week for part two of this message thank you for listening to sermons from Silver Moon with Pastor Phil Barber to find out more about today's message you may contact the Silver Moon Full Gospel Church at 417-472-3360 the Silver Moon Full Gospel Church is located on Highway 59 North between Neosho and Diamond, Missouri morning worship is at 10 a.m. with a Wednesday night service at 6.30 p.m. the Silver Moon Full Gospel Church where the distance is worth the difference.